this is listeners from the far beyond psychedelic hellscape of whatever the fuck I was going with this. Welcome to a brand new, brand spanking new episode of Wart Celluloid. I'm your, your jumping host, Jack Rourke, and I'm with my esteemed co-host, Chandler Williams. What's, go- what's going on, man? How are things like on your end, the universe? Pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. We're shooting my uh, uh, proof of concept short film next weekend. And, uh, very stoked and nervous about that, but it's gonna be it's gonna be great. Uh, I uh, also am recovering from mono, so that is um, an explanation to our delay. Sorry for the delay. Trust me, this will not be a regular thing. We promise, within reason. So, what are we gonna be talking about today? Today we'll be talking about a scanner darkly. It may just be my imagination. Whatever it is that's watching, it's not human. Gentlemen, you are about to witness for approximately 61 cents the perfect homemade silencer. A sure is some silencer. Just drive over to my place, kick back, get some tequila. <laughs> has taken place to the normally dominant left hemisphere and the right hemisphere is attempting to compensate two hemispheres of my brain are competing yes i could be murdered how'd i get here i tip my hat to any entity that could bring so much integrity to evil What if they come in through the back door or the bathroom window like that infamous Beatles song? To sacrifice someone without them ever knowing it. What does a scanner see? Into the head? Into the heart? Does it see into me? Clearly. I'm assuming this is neither of our first encounters with Richard Linklater, right? No, absolutely not. Nor is it a first encounter with Philip K. Dick, because I believe you've seen Blade Runner already? I have, absolutely. And we already, and well, uh, for the and those who've been with us for the long, for the long haul, um, you might know that we did an episode on Total Recall that ended up getting shit-canned, because it's Total Recall. What else do you say about it? Not even that it was like particularly bad or anything. We just didn't know what to say about it. Arnold. Arnold. <laughs> uh, oh boy. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, I love the Linklater and Philip K. Dick come 
combination. Yeah. It's um, one of those I'm, things that, especially, I mean, his original plan was to adapt his novel Ubik, but I think it was because of money issues that did. Like, oh, I'll take this as long as I keep it within under ten million, I should be fine. Yeah, I'm. I'm a huge fan of his, and my love for him has honestly grown in the, you know, past few years that I've been in film school. Um, yeah. But I just think this is an interesting turn in his um, filmography, and in, in it. An interesting choice, but it totally makes sense for him. Yep. It's like, here's the thing. Once I read the actual novel for this, because I read this last summer for research, because it's one of those titles like, okay, when I first started the podcast, we got to do this. Oh, yeah. This this film is perfect for our podcast. And it, yeah, you're... I think, perfect, perfectly encapsulates our criteria. Yeah. I was, oh god, you're gonna kill me for everyone saying this, but one, I haven't seen the Before Trilogy yet, and two, uh, when I when was going through titles for the month, I'm like, oh, this is a Chandler movie. No, that's understandable. I'm like, that's, that's... like, yeah, this is Chandler's vibes. Oh, uh, that's, that's, I don't mean that's that funny. in a condescending way either. I'm like, yeah, fuck it, he, I think you like this. Like... <laughs> it's too spot on for me to get angry about. <laughs> yeah. But no, th- this, this film is the exact type of film um that we you know should cover and uh, i think this is like why we made the podcast for films like these yep for little i mean for little discussed gems like these because one this tanked at the time and uh we might i'm pretty sure we brought this up on the uh lost in the vault episode we guessed it on but uh this thing opened right well here's the thing it was supposed to open in march of that year but due to pressure from the studio and just generally we cannot get this done in time or in time, they're like, fine, we'll delay it. They delayed it to July 6, 2006. From the, well, at least the first weekend in July. You know what else were open the first weekend in July? Arts. Yep. Mm. Or, they mm. uh, they scored plenty of loot, or in a loot that weekend. And, uh, okay, I'm just going to be honest. They fucking steamrolled their competition. This thing never stood a chance. I'm kind of surprised they didn't just go as far to push it back to September because September feels like the best kind of thing to do I mean, for this business-wise. Was it the same studio? War- oh no, Warner Bros. and Disney. This was. Oh okay, okay, okay. This was back when Warner Bros. had. I mean, this is when back in the two that that weird period in the two thousands when studios had their own indie labels like Paramount, Vantage, Warner Independent. I'm sure there are other. Yeah, Touchstone Picture. Uh, no, Indian Indian Paintbrush. That's for um, uh, that's why Sanderson's own production company, though, if I'm not mistaken. That was I'm talking about specifically Fox, Fox okay. Atomic. I think it was well, one of them. I thought it was Fox Searchlight. Sir, I think Searchlight. Well, there was one called Atomic, but that was like so briefly lived that it's forgivable if you don't remember it. Searchlight, I think, is the big one that might have kicked off this trend. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which I respect. I respect the um, you know, big studios kind of push for indie I mean, productions. Paramount Vantage put out no, no Country for Old Men. Man, there was a lot of good stuff to come out of this, I think. But, but it did, I think, largely contribute to the increasing meaninglessness of the term indie. Because nowadays, it basically just means studio-backed art house fair. Let's be real here. Yeah, I mean... And I'm not uh, saying that's a slide against it. Let's just be... I'm just we're doing that for the sake of being honest. Yeah, the studios are just getting bigger. And, um... More powerful, I guess. Ah, uh, well, that's neither here nor there at the moment. The point is, I think you can't really discuss this movie without discussing either the original author or the director or here. And um, if I may, I'd like to start with the book, because I read the book last summer. Where, like, It's actually a fairly quick read. It's only less than 300 pages. 
and is um I was astounded by how little was changed. Like literally, it's just beat for beat. It's all there, right there, and even some of the dialogue is exact. Like literally, the only major change is setting it in in the here and now. When is it set in the book? 1977, I think, or the 1990. Yeah, I gotta look that. Up. No, it's been a while since I've read it. Oh, when was the book released? 1977. Okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's why I got it mixed. No, it was because I mixed up the time. Anyway, because the the book, I mean, yeah, it's one of those near future, but it's clearly, obviously, supposed to be now, because this is just mid 2000s America, or rather, mid 2000s Austin, posting as uh, mid 2000s California. Eh, he pulls out the illusion. I'm not gonna nitpick. And it really works for the for the setting. Oh, it's oh, it's the book set in 1994. Okay. Yep. Yeah, but I, I I think I think the the mid 2000s middle America really works. Um, and this was like story. right after, right, right after the whole WMD debacle and just general or a little distrust in the government. and well, mission accomplished. Yeah, mission accomplished. <laughs> God, I love the robot chicken parody of W. I love, I love so much. I'm just kind of having a good time looking at it. I don't think he's intentionally met or anything thrown into production as things to be upside down. Not against the main movie with Robert Downey Jr. and Reeves, and we know right, so this other kind of lets you how we it. Not that, that much, considering how. Uh, I think if we took this watch and on it, we realized the ending of this thing is fucking sad. I mean, we'll get into it, but not, but in a smaller scale way than this kind of, than this kind of story usually is. Yeah, I, I was surprised at how bleak it was. And, like, I've only seen this film once, and I was when we watched it. You know, it's all more personal, like, and I hate to say this, realistic way. Yeah, yeah, it, it's so dreary. Um, we will get back to this at the, or at the end of the show because obviously now we'll too early to delve into spoilers, but I mean, we just have the plot yet. Yeah, go for it. Basically, California costumes start wearing what these grandmas use, these kind you know, holographic graphics, or like ice morphing things, or anything that basically shifts face or you know, around so you can't tell who you're looking at. And it's the purpose of protecting identity. One of them. Has started posing as an, a drug dealer and uh, his friends of reality and uh, suffering slip. This is a really, really weird movie to sum up. Because on paper, it should work. Really, it's a mystery who's a humorless note from the outside. Said even if you can't articulate what. Damn, but does on the page and here on screen. Yeah, it's a pretty great job. Um, and I, I think it's, it's less about the plot, also more about yeah. just the, like and, the betrayal of themes and tone, and of um, course character, which li- obviously Linklater has been great with for years. Oh yeah, and, and uh, even the book was like that. It's more like I mean, like yeah, the, where the mystery is very very loose. I mean, it makes sense, but it's also hard to articulate. I mean, in like a short summary, if that makes any sense. Yeah the the plot the plot is not. Um, of of her important utmost importance at least until yeah. like the like the third act. Yeah, I would. I would Even then, it's not like some sort of big action set. Piece. Honestly, it's more like things are just finally crumbling. To borrow a phrase from Robert Downey Jr.'s character, we can agree that this is a world progressively getting worse, right? 
Oh yeah, that's that, that's a great quote. Um, and things Which just you know, kind of the only happen. Thing he says in the whole movie, because uh, <laughs> things just kind of happen and unfold. And uh, he he was definitely my favorite character. So funny to watch. Oh, he's the most, he's the most interesting. Uh, James Barrett. and to be for he's basically the same way. And this, I'm just gonna blurt this out right now because this has been on Chandler's mind, been on my mind since we saw this. Uh, there is no way it was intentional at the time, but considering the place of a certain cameo and uh, the, just the general vibe of what Randy Jr. is putting here, this is just Joe Rogan, right? Like a big yeah. head, basically, or in hiding behind, or in big words, conspiracies, pseudoscientists, to hide the fact that he's a kind of blithering idiot. And psychedelics. Oh, yeah, definitely a lot of it. When he pushes the glass, well, my theory, um, of course, or if you look at my note, I'm like, He's full of shit, and you can, and everyone on and pretty much everyone on screen except for I think Woody Harrelson and Rory Cochrane can tell. Even Keanu is most stone in this. Who, pretty much, I th- honestly think Keanu is pretty well cast in this too. I think. Yeah, yeah, he plays the great like kind of sad protagonist while all this crazy stuff is going on, and these like stoned out characters. Um, also, oh, something no, very. I want to make something... a version versus Chad. Me now, like. The, the... Something something very topic, but did, did this come out at the same time, the same summer as uh Southland Tales? It did. Wow. 2006. Wow. Just go. And honestly, it feels like it's going for a lot a lot of the same ideas, just on a much smaller scale. A much more yeah. controllable thing. It didn't it didn't explode into this pseudo Vonnegut. Ernie gets style mess. Yeah, but the, the the critiques of the Patriot Act and the war um, overall are definitely pre- prevalent. And uh, I mean, the surveillance themes were in the original book, but I I think this is more of a matter of choosing the right time to adapt something more than well, and just adapting it to the time. Because man, it is the thing I noticed about Bill Dick, K. Dick's writing, and not just from this, this is just in general, and even the original short story Blade Runner was based on, which granted. Entirely replicate in the film, as you all know, but it's shocking how modern his prose feels. Like it, maybe not even modern. I go as far as time. Like I think of particular time. Like the only thing or in that whole bag or in the scanner darkly so that are the way to drugs. And even then, that that's fine because well, without it, there'd be kind of no story. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, like because I feel like drugs were more prevalent in. The seventies when it came or at least out. Felt more shocking, like more prevalent. I'd argue they're way more prevalent now. Mainly because, I mean, just the stigma against them is just starting to crack. Yeah, but I mean, like in a way that's less taboo. Um, yeah, I mean, it felt. I mean, I think when when you're trying, what you're trying to say, is, and pardon me if I'm being presumptuous, here is that it felt like a culture shock at the time. Yeah, I guess so, and like it not as not as uh. I don't know. I don't know how to articulate what I'm thinking, but like maybe not as uh, dirty as it was in 2006. No, in the 70s rather than until yes, 2006 no. came out. I mean, yeah, the presence of weed isn't going to be edgy, but what it's saying about drug use. Honestly, this might be one of the most nuanced depictions of drug use I've ever seen in a movie. I would agree. And yeah, nuanced um, completely because it's not. It's not something like Requiem for a Dream or, or in Train Spot. Thing where it is completely like stylizing the high. It's so matter of fact and blunt. Like, yeah, this is just something people do, but it's 
it's not, I mean, it's not good for them and it's ultimately destructive, but it's not something that you should really stigmatize. It's, it's wild to see something that not low key, but that even temper or an even keeled approach or into this kind of subject matter. It's weird to see that in a movie, especially a mainstream Warner Brothers movie. Right? Yeah, it's very, very blatant, blatant. Um, and, now, I wouldn't even say blatant or blunt. Or in blunt, I just say, well, yeah, it doesn't make a big deal out. Of, it makes a big deal without making a big deal, oddly enough. Which is, I mean, like, pretty common for Linklater's filmography. Yeah. Um, I mean, thinking back to Dazed and Confused, like, kids were, kids were just doing drugs. And, and we, I'm like, it's just like, weed, it's, yeah. just thing. it's not like the focus of the movie. Like, yeah, it's there, but it's more or less a tertiary present. Exactly. I mean, here as we central, but he makes it feel tertiary. I mean, like, this is just a world. And... How long? You know what? Fuck it. Let's just get into it. The animation. Oh my gosh, the animation. It was gonna say, it's gonna. It takes a while to get used to. Like even on, I think this is either my second or third watch when we were when we were doing this for the podcast. It still took me a while to wrap my head in. Like I remember, I had to step outside for a minute because it was kind of real. I think it was just I had a bad headache at the time, but man, it was my brain was kind of reeling afterwards. I mean, it yeah. looks cool, and I can't think of a better way to tell this story. It took I, me. It Sorry, took me a, a good half hour to like really, really, uh, like, yeah, to like have it really sink in and like get super comfortable um, watching it. But I think that's the point. Like, it's supposed to yeah. feel disorienting and kind and of like, like, like the way stuff or like stuff in the background, the backgrounds move differently from the way the actors are walking forward in a certain scenes. Everything feels detached from each other in a bizarre way. I can't think of another film that looks like this. But I think it's besides Waking it, Life, it, obviously. I think it, it goes well into the like theme of uh like just casually presenting drugs in the background and just because drifting through life, just drifting. yeah, yeah. I think it it works so well with that. Yep, and such and a get... strong creative choice to have a visual yep. style like this. And it honestly kind of makes me sad that the program they used, I think it was called Rotoshop. Yeah, it was. I mean, is that Linklater more? I think him or his production company. Company they own the patents to this, so this thing hasn't been used since at least 2006, which I think is honestly depressing because there, I mean, clearly, as we can see here, there's a lot of potential for that. It's like, and I'm not saying that like it's the next big thing, but fuck it, I think this is something that people should be experimenting with. I mean, because rose scoping, I still think is relatively like, yeah, obviously, it's better around like the usage of it. Yeah, and I'm sure it could be like the program could be could be automated now, um, and it could be there. I mean, I'm sure there's an easy way, easier way it could be done to produce yeah. the same results now. Um, yeah, but it reminds me of Grand Theft Auto. Um, it it kind of does. I was gonna say you said I give this into the Discord, and I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, this looks like those co that cover art from the games. It looks like yeah. Which is also very early to the or like mid two thousands. Yeah, very mid two thousands. Generally speaking, I also say like yeah, you probably hear about it being automated, but also I think it's worth mentioning that it took over five hundred hours just to animate one minute of footage. Wow. At least an interview. I think it was Robert Downey Jr.'s appearance on Letterman. I look. I've dug into a lot of reviews for this. That sounds so intimidating. Five hundred hours per minute. Yep. I mean, granted, it's one of those things where animation is not something I'm by no means an expert in. I'm more of a you'd call an outside observer. But every Same. time I hear 
peek into the process. God, it's fascinating. And almost masochistic in a sense, because good God, how much work you're putting into the is it's insane. Yeah, it 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 made me think of the point of like how right now there's not there's not a lot of adult animation that isn't comedy, and I love that. I think I brought this up before. Yeah. And you're right. And even then, yeah, here's the thing. It's Richard Linklater, so this is going to be funny. And good guys, there's parts of this that are so much funnier than I remember. Remember, like a lot a lot of it's just about Ryan Rockdown Jr. and Keanu Reeves and Woody Harrelson just shooting the shit with each other. But man, when it goes to that bad report, it is wickedly funny. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um but it, I I wouldn't consider the film by any means an overall comedy. Yeah, no, oh no, no, more of a dr- I guess dramedy. Or you're a drama. I wouldn't call it a thriller either, because yeah, there's some paranoid elements, but more, but it's way too lackadaisical. I mean, like it's yeah. you know, the pacing is way too floating down stream to uh to actually I mean, like have some sort of that kind of momentum that you need to be qualified as a thriller. Yeah, it's just not like fitting into a specific genre so well. Um, but which which is fine. It uh it made me appreciate um love death robots so much more every time I see. Yeah. Adult animation that isn't. I'm comedy. hoping we get that season two announcement soon because they told they they said it's in production. I just don't know when it's coming. Nice. Yeah, and generally, I'm honestly wondering what the hell would a heavy metal reboot I mean, look like? Like if they use technology like this, I feel like it could work for like one segment. One segment of heavy, yeah, heavy I was metal, say, but maybe not, not the probably. entire. Thing. And honestly, one of the things that I think was used as a criticism of that movie that I frankly. Did, like it's the only one that I actually like actively disagree with because that is a trashy movie and I'm cool with that. Is that I don't mind the difference in the animation styles. In fact, I think honestly, for something like Heavy Metal, which is an anthology, it kind of feels ideal. Yeah, it works. Yep. For this though, I think this is the best possible solution. I mean, because again, Indeed. it it captures that languid feel or feeling of just drifting through life. Where you're like, like everything around you is just fluid and just no, nothing is tangible and like actually has a sense of staying still. Or even like seeming all that real. A sort of constant erosion. And which is weird because the movie doesn't even delve into that much psychedelic imagery until like a couple of scenes. Like the closest we get is the opening with uh, Rory Cochran who, by the way, I'm just going to bring this up now because it's going to, if I don't bring it up, uh, it's going to kill me. Good God, he reminds me so much of Benicio Del Toro in this. Yeah, in a really funny way. You're like it's it's the voice and like the bug eyes. I'm like God, he's great in the in this. And I'm like wondering like he reminds me of more of a more paranoid version of Doctor Gonzo from Fear and Loathing. Oh yeah, very much Fear and Loathing. No, but I, I love like the paranoid opening. It's not like a fun yeah. the psychedelic. Bug, which, by the way, beat for beat from the book. I mean, like it's more and it's but it's not too over the top though. It's not like weird angle or anything. It's just grunt. You like matter of fact. Like oh, this is just what this guy's going. Or yeah. through, like, the bugs trying to get, like, spray himself with bug spray, which, ugh, that just made me squirm just thinking about it. Very, like, you know, the negative effects of narcotics, rather than, And then like... we cut to the end of the sequence, he brings out the jar because he thinks he'd capture one of them and calls his buddy, which would be Roger Jr., and then there's nothing in there. And that, I mean, just that feeling of, like, something bothering you constantly, which I think even when people who don't use drugs can relate to. It's like having an itch you can't scratch, I guess. Yeah. And a narcotic. Addicts talk about like the feeling of like bugs crawling under their skin. Yeah, and the like, common side effect of you know meth use. Um, yep. But I, I love like or the substance D as it's called in this film, which yeah, which, it's way too strong to be weed. 
right. Yes, definitely. Um, like I, I just pictured it being like some narcotic or opiate. Um, but it's, I, I, I mean, like I love the the depiction of the the bugs and how, um, like realistic that is described um, in in life actually. But yeah, go ahead. Anyway, which I think it reminds me of this is something I didn't even have my notes. But um, I feel like it's worth mentioning is the the way the movie plays with your sense of paranoia, and that so I mean a lot like the scene where and they're getting back home, where where uh, Robert De- and Reeves and Downey and Harrelson are getting back home, or at home and they're, they're like wait, the doors unlocked, lock. someone lit a joint here, someone's trying to frame us, and they're like the increasing sense of paranoia, and then it immediately gets downplayed when they're like oh just when Noda Ryder shows up. And then yeah, yeah. They build up all this tension, the like someone, someone's bugged the house. Someone is inside of the house. And um, good God, the way he talks about like monitoring people. Oh, it's so funny. Like, God, he does. I mean, and it, there's a bit in Slack. It reminds me so much of the bit in Slacker with a dude with like when walking around with like TVs on his chest, like the mount. It's so, which I feel like that was intentional. Like, oh, it's weird how much or how much some of the most distinct science fiction comes from people who are outsiders of the genre. Not unfamiliar with you, just don't work in it. I mean, like, I think we, I'm not sure if I brought this up with Vanilla Sky, but I think one of the reasons that hit me so, so much is that it feels so human as an experience. And I argue the same of this, but in a much darker, less, uh, less commercial friendly way. Yeah, it, it feels like more dreary and, yeah. in a human sense. Yeah. It honestly, the big conspiracy by the end, which, Fuck it. Do we, should we, do we go into spoilers? I feel like Aaron now's the good time than anything to go into spoilers. Yeah, sure. More or less, the mystery is solved by saying, "Oh, we weren't really after the police weren't actually after Keanu Reeves. They were after Robert Downey Jr. Downey Jr. because he was just Ryan kind of Ryan, despite his appearances, he is kind of a hot shit drug Ryan dealer in the area. They get him there, but considering how fucked up his mind is been by this Ryan, the substance that they're in, he has to get sent to this um, I don't want to say prison camp, but kind of. Rehab, rehabilitation center where uh, he discovers more or less that or, there was an actual honest to god corporation or innovation more or less or, farming this stuff out like they even like got the flowers that this or, substance to be comes from and that Keanu is more or less lost, lost his entire sense of self yeah and it reminded me of inherent vice you know um, I was about to bring thing. that up holy shit yeah I love that idea though like uh yep. You know, a company's producing the drug, but also selling the cure. Yeah, that which, granted, is I mean, one of those things that I can't imagine is not and it is an uncommon thing in me- media because mostly because about conspiracies relating to Reagan's war on drugs. Yeah, like the heroin which, distribution, and yep, it's unfortunate. Know. And I, I, I love yeah. how Philip K. Dick um, writes that like monologue at the end which i think oh, yeah, directly mo- addresses that. it is directly from the book which it took me a while to realize that i'm like wait a minute when i thankfully i had the copy in my hand so i just flipped to the back like shit those are all it if anyone who doesn't know know who's listening it's when before the end credits start there's a short tribute to uh we're actually uh, just a basically a wall or an, an effigy wall of people who philip k dick knew who lost or their lives and their or, livelihoods to drug into drug abuse it's honestly potent but it, without it is creature, it doesn't feel preachy either. I yeah, but he so, does write. He writes like a little uh, paragraph before saying like the how disturbing it was, like watching sad. them. Um, but like just wither away like that. Yeah, but it was. I feel. I felt like it, it was in a way that he kind of 
wants us to question like the government governmental authority uh in it's not even like drugs, drugs are bad it's no there's a whole system around this we need to make a broad chain we need to dig destigmatize uh, or destigmatize it we're in this kind of addiction so that way people can actually get better there's no yeah exactly and it was it was very potent i th i think it's so much more nuanced than we use that's why I, honestly the main reason why i think this movie is so nuanced it's not just the matter of fact depiction of drug or in use both for in both in a in positive neutral and negative sense it's the hey the or in the solutions we have to cutting this out just aren't working and and mean that out loud that's the saddest goddamn thing i've ever heard in a while it's just yeah it just hits you like a lead balloon wow this guy anyways like, what about uh what about say, yeah, boy... that just me for a second because I'm right now trying to think of what else to say right now. No, I I got you. What about our boy Alex Jones? Alex Jones! <laughs> I I was gonna say I alluded to his cameo earlier, and I was like, oh, this was the big reason I was excited to show him. Like, don't spoil it for him. Don't spoil it for him because I wanted to see your reaction. <laughs> I was so excited to see him on screen. I I like, I'm a huge uh, Alex Jones fan. I, th um, I think honestly the big reason him funny. Yep, he is, and he's even funny in this. Like, he, he's one of the first guys like. Well, one, he's a, his cameo works to set up the ending of the movie, or movie because he's like a protester of substance E, and then he gets like or in black or in, like blacklisted of sort, or in, like he like, gets like put back thrown over his head and thrown into a, or in a van by or in these shady black ops looking guys. Yeah, like substance D, they're putting chemicals in the water, turn the freaking frogs. Okay. <laughs> there was a meme I saw lately. It was just it was a it was a picture of a naked girl, but Alex Jones is like standing in front of it. Where he's like, hey, 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 focus on me, man. Look into my eyes. Fight, like, tits are temporary, but fighting the globalists is forever. The globalists. The globalists. He works so well in this film. It, it's so he fits funny. In like a, it's funny how much he fits in. He lives in Austin, too, so I imagine yeah. like, it was a favor for him. Like, just a small favor um, for him. I mean, he also should have been waking life, so maybe him and Richard Linklater were friends for a little bit. I could see I'm that. Not sure that would have been awesome. Now, considering how completely off the deep end he's gone over the last decade, but it was—it's cool to see on screen as a kind of a time capsule. Oh yeah, it's and bizarre. It's just like what the, other the way... Hollywood movie is going to feature Alex fucking Jones? <laughs> the way like he spliced in um in the editing, it's just—it's such a great uh, transition into that next scene. Just like seeing him with a megaphone like on the side of the street, just yelling—it's yep. so funny. Yep, and then, like, yeah, that's Alex Jones. That tracks. <laughs> uh, and he, it, it works so well also with, like, the whole conspiracy tone. Like, conspiracy, conspiratorial tone. Brain like, war. Paranoia. Yeah, like, the, the paranoia of the film. Yeah. I love it. I like how much it, re it is able to, re or, speaking of which, to be able to recontextualize imagery from the book, but in a way that's bad. And feels unique to it and honestly that's a big reason why i'm supportive of the animation in this is because how the fuck else are you gonna do this especially on this lowest scale like by the way like the part basically the last scene where we see rory cochran who is more or less the hanger on like the most clearly affected of the drug use like i mean like keanu reese is more or less just drifting drifting i mean one of rider is basically what we both what most potheads are like like more mostly just tired and kind of out of or in a bit or not stupid just kind of I don't want to say drip or interrupting, just not really entirely there. Yeah. Like Woody Harrelson's just 
Woody Harrelson's just a straight up idiot in this. I mean, it's funny because he's Woody, and Woody, and he's just, or he's like, there's a monster out there, man. And he's kind of kind of the comedic relief to dilute the. Yeah, which I why it makes the or if you notice or like why the ending is or feels so cold or cold and depressing. Neither him nor Cochran show up after or after a certain point in the movie, like. I mean, like, Uri Cochran, more or less, his last scene, like, is a is a failed suicide attempt that starts out really harrowing, but ends up being really funny, which is... It's so the, funny. <laughs> yep, oh god, the, I mean, like, the dude, I mean, the dude with the multiple eyes, like, which, funny enough, was a tribute to one of the old co- book covers that this was I mean, put out in during its initial run. I mean, but also, it, it almost feels like something out of a Douglas Adams novel, like Hitchhiker's Guide. And he, like, grabs the copy of The Fountainhead and, like... He's like, fuck, I'm just gonna start reading... Well, I'm gonna be here for a while. Well... Oh, it's so, it's so funny. And I love, like... Uh, this, this sounds dark and uh, fucked up, but, like, I love when movies can, like, make suicides funny. Yeah, I think it, it's a very because... difficult thing to pull off, but, no, like, I, when it... No, I agree. I mean, when it's that, done well, you know, I think it's very successful and impressive. Because I think, I think there is a point to have nuance in this sort of conversation. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, let's be honest here. It, you can't really be honest with yourself if you jokes about something. And I don't mean the PC culture is taking over free speech, man, kind of way. Like, more just, we're all human here. It's okay to make fun of our, our own in, or infall- or infallibility and whatnot. And potentially towards uh, being fuck ups. Yeah, it just kind of it addresses it in a way that's I feel like so um, what's, blatant. What, what's honest isn't always pleasant. Let's just be honest, real here. Let's just... Yeah, I mean that's that's true. And like, uh, I think the film points to that when uh, Keanu is like looking back on his life in, in regard to the house, like seeing how he used to have a family and daughters there, and now which it's granted like, might not even be true. Yeah, through, but, and now like, like again, because his mind is so fractured, and not just from the usual, or the usual. Um, I have to bring to balance my life as a couple, but also impose, or imposing as a double earn for this setup, or instead of going incognito type thing, but also the fact that he's doing so while having his brain chemically fractured on a constant twenty four seven basis. That's going to fuck you up on the inside, like having to balance those three things. And I mean anyone, not just Keanu. It's a film that I'm not sure if I'd ever go as far to say perfect, because, well, I mean, perfect is such a nebulous term. I mean, term, and honestly, the only thing, thing I would describe as perfect is, does it accomplish all of what it sets out to do? Which, by de- definition, I'd say this does. Yeah, it does. It, the film yep. itself isn't perfect. Um, but like, I think... Yeah, I although it, I can't it, really it, name it, what it accomplishes. I don't disagree, but I'm just trying... Struggling to yeah. think of anything like specifically wrong with it that I can point out. I think the beats, in regards to the plot, are can are a little slow, and like if it really wanted to fine tune itself, I think it would tighten up. Um, I can't tell how much of that is just a feature or a bug, though, considering how much that is just. Who, I'm not sure if I brought this up, but I am not a. I'm and I'm about to bring it uh, to my friend Blake. If you're listening to this, uh, I'm sorry. I fucking hate Mumblecore. I cannot stand Mumblecore. As a thing, or any that kind, or any kind of eh, it's just guys standing around in a, ro- or in a room looking at their shoe, or shoes talking about nothing. Like, you know, you can have conversations in movies actually me- mean something and have illustrative character, which is why I respect Linklater because he or actually does something with that. 
like, yeah, these aren't particularly smart characters, but there are these are insights into their work world. I feel like I'm getting to know some something here. Yeah. I feel like I'm learning something. Mumblecore for this film isn't the right term, but it's that done successfully. That kind of or that kind of navel gazing indie vibe. Like which, a, yeah, like an, it, a certain think, aimlessness. Yeah. Where like I have little patience for it, but Linklater, Linklater is one of the few exceptions because he does some, again. He does something with it. There, there isn't a broader point in terms of theme, but at least you feel like you're at you're actually learn. And you're like it feels like there's bringing some, actually something being brought to the table, other than just like empty rooms or filmed on shitty on shitty sixteen millimeter cameras of people laying down the floor. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what I you mean. I think try the movie Tiny Furniture. Right yeah. Here. Ugh, can't believe I had to bring up Lena Dunham. I'm gonna go drink some coffee now just to wash out the taste out of my mouth. Mm. No, but I do, I do really like that aimlessness, um, and I, I can see that in my own writing. Uh, even like with this short film, has, I'd on. say there's a difference between just shambling, wandering. That I don't care if wandering this is a word or it fits here, or it just or straight up aimlessness. It's like wandering just feels like more like just shuffling along, but still overall having an idea. Aimlessness is the complete lack of an idea. Yeah, more like melly, melancholy. Yeah, which I'd say this does is melancholy because I'd say again is that it's realist. It's probably the, the sad like. Yeah, there's a conspiracy here, but let's face it, none of us can or even want to do shit about it. Yeah, like, a, just a, a complete lack of ambition. I think it's what reminded me of Inherent Vice is the, yeah, there's bad things going on in the world, but let's face it, that's not, I mean, it's not going to be the the hashtag resist movement of, we can take things down as individuals, like, let's be honest here, no you fucking can't, I can't, you can't, we as a society can't, can't. And can't at least not in the here and now. But what we should be focusing on is just how much we can do in, in our own individual terms, which I think is why it makes some um, shit. What was I gonna say? Now I remember. Or it is why it makes the ending with um Owen Wilson and a uh, gentleman alone or so uplifting in that movie. He's like, oh, here's something good I can do. I should do that because it's yeah. smaller and interpersonal, but it's there's something sweet and poignant about it. But you know what? I can't solve all the world's problems, but I can solve these people's problems. And you know what? If that's enough, that's enough. That you don't get that with this movie, which I think honestly is what makes it all or all the sadder. Yeah, it's it's the same ending without the hopefulness. Yeah. Also, speaking of moments that are funny, do we bring up the silencer scene? Uh, that was probably just literally yeah. just sticks or some or some tinfoil and a and a toilet paper roll, roll onto a gun and then just bam. It doesn't even silence it. Yeah. I mean like it, that goes back to how funny this movie is without being a comedy whole It's lot. very dry in its sense of humor though. It's very observational like second hand. Yeah, which is common to Link later, because like Daisy yeah, confused is funny it in feels the like same it, way. To borrow a phrase from a Big Star song, you're just sitting in the back of a car. Yeah. Having conversations. Yeah. And it works. Yep. We already went to the Alex Jones confusion. What else? Oh, right. I, I jokingly wrote on my notes, this is Galaxy Brain the The Galaxy. <laughs> I mean, like, it's just how things just get gradually bigger and insane without, get, without really growing in scale. And Actually, while I'm noting, obviously we talk about Robert Downey Jr. and how Honestly, I'd go so far as to say his work in here is fucking brilliant. I mean, like, is, yeah. he does everything the role demands, and then, and then just runs with it. With it, it is, 
it honestly kind of disappoints me that, look, I'm not going to shit on Marvel too much, but it is kind of sad that he wasn't able to fit in more in between, or during his tenure as Iron Man. Man, because with, if you just take that run of, like, 2005 and 2007, seriously, though, Good Night and Good Luck, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, A Scanner Darkly, and fucking Zodiac. That is one hell of a good run for three years. Wow. And honestly, all of which I'd say features his finest work as an actor. Yeah, rather than um, him just being, like, um, yeah, only it's, seen it's, as Tony Stark. It's him, it's him finding the right balance between movie star and character actor, which is, admittedly, a thing very few actors can do in one movie, let alone four. Yeah, it makes me think of Johnny Depp as like a. Or like, yeah, cut. Although, that, yeah. although RDJ got hit or in his uh, his or in his fall from grace a lot earlier and was able to recuperate it from. It. But again, that's neither here nor there. Moving on. And honestly, one of the performances that again, it's amazing how much the improvement we had on first watch. Because I thought this was pretty good, good, but I'm not sure if I loved it. But man, did it stick in my mind afterwards. Now, I love this movie. I or not unabashedly. Like, I can't call it a masterpiece, but I love, but I do think it's great. And I do think, honestly, it might be my favorite thing. I mean, Linklater's done behind Everybody Wants Some. Wow. It's a bold statement. And one of the reasons why is a performance that is, granted, not very present, at least not until the end. I love Winona Ryder on this. I think I mean, she just plays so many beautiful little grace notes in this. Like, at first, you think, oh, she's just the usual stone, stoner, junkie girlfriend. I mean, girlfriend, yeah, she, no. she compliments, she compliments the she's despair. Honestly, on balance, probably one of the smartest and more in tune with reality than any or of the main cast. It's yeah. really la- layered, and again, she's not even given that much time on screen. It's amazing well, how like, much just, she does. Just enough to count and matter and to like, stick in your head. I, I know that she's gotten the big comeback from Stranger Things, which well-deserved, let's be real, because Winona Ryder is really an actress, but she's still been hanging around, around and I feel like it's worthwhile to talk about little performances like this. Yeah, absolutely. Like um, Keanu, and I, I know we're talking about a lot about performances, but I I want to talk about Keanu because and we're in, we're in for years like before the comeback and we're in the comeback with John Wick and we're in now the new we're in that upcoming Matrix sequel is uh, which by the way tangent within tangent here why the fuck didn't they call out the Matrix rebooted? Mm. You had a golden opportunity there, man. I mean, I get resurrections and considering how much, many Jesus metaphors there are in the series, it fits. But also, is it man, resurrection. Yeah, it's the Matrix Resurrections. That's that's what they're calling it. Wow, I just thought it was four. I haven't really kept up I'm, with it. I'm not even that big of a Matrix fan, but you know what? Fuck it. I'm excited for this. I'm so a pretty big Matrix fan, but I, I just am not a fan of the whole reboot. Um, it's not uh, even a reboot. It's more like just a, or not a belated sequel. Mm, yeah. I mean, I'm not even a fan of the actual sequels. But anyways, let's continue with what you're saying about Keanu. Speaking of which, one, I really think... You have HBO, right? Yes. Check out the Animatrix. Trust me on this. It's it's a it's an anthology film of different animated segments set within the Matrix universe by different animators. Good God, they they even got the people who did an Eon Flux to do a segment at the end. It's fantastic. The whole thing is just fantastic. Honestly, I like it better than or in the actual trilogy. The Matrix. Wow, I've heard great things about it, and uh, yeah, I just made a note to check it out. Anyway, back to what I was saying about Keanu is I think the stereotype before before he made his big comic. Well, Keanu was a bad actor, which a is bullshit. Which I don't think every a- actor needs to be the most ambidextrous. So, like it's and it also reminds me of the annoying that annoying lull this movie actor plays themselves. Yeah, that's what we call a fucking movie star, you moron. Like or, like, or like people saying that about Paul Rudd, and I think Aubrey Plaza was the one that set me off for this. 
or like a yeah. guy. It's more like no shit. And also, that's not really real them. That's just a persona. That's what we call a persona. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, the thing with Keanu is, I think he can be good. I mean, it's just specific. You have to cast him in the right part. It's not. I mean, like, yeah, I get. I mean, like, in the wrong part, he can come off as cold and detached, but otherwise, he can just come off as just or kind of chill. Or chill and zen. Like, like, he like here, I think. I wouldn't go so far as to say perfectly cast, but he fits like a glove. I'd say he's near perfectly cast. Uh, I love his opening, like when we see him talking to to yeah, right, to that the little officer, it's, like switch, a, it's so detached. Man, it looks like those bits where they're, right, they're like inside of the armor, right? It's just space where, where his head is taking up. Where, like, the yeah, entire, very reminiscent right, of that. Which I wonder if this is right, this is where they got the idea from. Which because I know Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is why they cast RDJ in the role. Well, because uh, I think it was either John Favreau or Kevin Feige from Netflix one night back when it was still DVD by mail, of course. Where it's like, you know what? Maybe let's fuck it. Let's do real take a chance on Robert Downey Jr. and well, and the rest is history, as right as the story goes. Generally yeah. speaking, really right, the acting in this again fantastic, but not in a showy way. Like again, it's just it's one of those we got the right people for the right job, and I think that also sums up why I love that Lincoln did this. It is not a th- thing you think of at first, but once you actually like get a handle on, like oh, oh. Oh man, yeah. you knocked it out of the fucking park. I really want to watch it again. Each because I I don't I have only seen it once and like I need to uh I mean it's 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 had plenty of time to soak, yeah. but I need to revisit it and I really want to just to like yeah. like I, I see the specific tone he was going for now, even though it took me a while to um like get there on the first watch. Yeah. Honestly, I th- I think I was I was thinking about this a while ago when we were talking I was talking, having a conversation with some friends about what makes a good adaptation. I mean, good as a movie, too. Right, too is that's, right, there are times where, where yes, doing straight, really straightforward adaption of the source material can work. I mean, it can work, work. And then there are times where they barely think about the source material, and it's just the filmmaker exploring their particular hang-ups. This is the perfect middle ground, because it is the right fit of filmmaker and material, like with PTA with Inherent Vice, it's Edgar Wright with Scott Pilgrim, and... There's there's other examples, but those are the, the two that come to the top of my head when I come, think of think of not or in my favorite movies except for Inherent Vice, of course, love it to death. Or, but like the place where they couldn't have picked a better choice to make this as a movie. Yeah, yeah, I, I, would, I would agree. I'm not sure. I, I'm not saying that to overstate this is some sort of masterpiece. I'm talking about just how well they pulled this off within its own. Term. Yeah, I need to read the book to like fully um like agree with that statement it but... definitely helps it definitely it makes the or in the actual story a little less confusing okay yeah and that and i think honestly i think you were wise to or to wait a while before going back to it because it's something that again this isn't a, i mean like a like kind of like blade runner this is not an easy movie to love at all although this more so than blade runner because at least blade runner you had that gorgeous cinematography in the production design or designed to kind of make or make things a little a little easier to swallow this this is a much slower burn with a, with a lot that's a lot less showy with some exceptions of course right and a lot right, a lot less of a lot less uplifting yeah with, like kind of low-key yeah it's, a, it's harder to get a grip rid of grip on which <laughs> which fits considering well loose or loose grip on reality and whatnot yeah i would i would consider it pretty like low-key experimental um by yeah. all standards of like 
um, you know, linear story and narrative structure. And I mean, of course, animation and visual yeah, style. Blade Runner, I wonder if some of the Keanu voiceover parts were added to avoid audience confusion. Like those were no screenings. Because mm. some of these, like, okay, some of this sounds like the book, some it doesn't. Like, I mean, I could be completely off base here, but I, I have to imagine that might have been possible, right? At least possible. Not like. Out of ten, anyway, out of ten, I get. I did this is all. This is very solid. Yeah, on my on my first viewing, I'd give it like a solid seven, seven and a half. But I, I can see my love for it growing. Yeah, I love. It. Also, you mentioned and like giving it a while. I like to give this a shout out now. In the slim, slim chance anyone at Warder Archive is listening, please put this out on Blu-ray. This needs a Blu-ray already. Yeah, I feel like we could get Linklater to listen to this. That would be awesome. And I'm not sure if Linklater would be the person in charge. Char- because again, it's a Warner Brothers film. Look, look right to Finnick, and he is hella, or, to the point where even I don't understand everything. Yeah. I mean, I'd love for him to listen to this Nicholas podcast. Mullen, and I'm a fucking genius. <laughs> of co- okay, I'm kidding, of course. Indulging the ego is okay every now and then. Yeah. Yeah, Linklater, if you're listening, I'm a huge fan. I love you. Love you, man. <laughs> huge inspiration. But uh Yeah. Yeah, what what else have you seen recently? Um, honestly a lot. I finally and uh, if if Stanley's listening to this, or you know, I'm just gonna say it. I finally watched Velvet Goldmine, which was a uh, Todd Haynes uh, directed in fuck, what was it called? In the glam rock scene of the seventies. And although uh, Bowie's estate not only was not disapproved of this, they sent out a lawsuit to not make sure it didn't get made, even though they changed all the names and everything. And more or less, it acknowledges that it's a work of fiction. Good God. God, it opens with the thing that's on the back of the Ziggy's album with this film should be played at maximum volume. I mean, nice. It is, a wor- it is a blurring of fantasy and reality that I find fascinating. And honestly, it might, yeah, it's not strictly realistic, but purely as an experience, it's hypnotic. Also, um, speaking of inherent but why a film that kind of reminds me of that kind of coastal noir vibe. I found I discovered a film I hadn't even heard of on Amazon with uh, War Notes, Peter Fonda, and Harry Dean Stanton. Patron uh, of the show, Harry Dean Stanton, of course. Ninety-two in the shade, southern just do, guys being dudes in southern Florida. You love to see it. Yeah, I saw you. Uh, you sent me the poster to it, and I was very intrigued, and I. It's made cool. to check it out. Not yeah. a lot happens, yeah. and it does look a little cheap at points, but honestly, it, it would fit well on... What's the name of that letterbox list again? Nothing happens but the vibes? Yeah, nothing nothing much happens but the vibes. Yeah, this would fit perfectly into that. Nice. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that list and that concept yep. overall as well. He ain't, um, he ain't hurting anyone. He's just vibing. He's just vibing. <laughs> uh, I, speaking of adaptations, I think, or I think one of the films that also strikes that batch was one I rewatched recently. Show to my uh, roommate actually was a uh, Watchmen. Oh, nice! I, you know, I'm just gonna put this take on here right now. I already put logs in my letterbox, but I feel like the whole key to getting that movie is the. And believe it or not, when I'm saying this, the MCR cover of Desolation Row. Some inhale it as a desecration of a classic. Others say it's an interesting reinterpretation. Obviously, saying, I'm of the latter. You're saying that's what makes the movie. I'm not sure what makes the movie, but it or it feels like a perfect note to end it on because it more or less or it comes or it, or it embodies the or the things that people praise or or, or condemn this movie for. Yeah, I think what it took to it like nail that movie. Well, sure. 
Yeah, I think it, I think what it took to nail that movie was capturing the the tone and the. It's not just the comic, like because let's be honest here. There's a reason that comic was considered unadaptable. Mm-hmm. Period of time, but he acknowledges that again. That's why he throws into references to movies like Do- where he, like the fact that everything with Nixon looks like Doctor Strange look. Where he love and references to older superhero movies like the fact that where he, that uh, Ozymandias is where he is modeled after the Schumacher bat nipples. Yeah, I I. Anyway. I- I love the scale of that film. I, we 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 could go on for days we about do, that film too. I'm honestly debating doing an episode about the Snyder Cut. In I May. would be fine with that. Yeah, we we should have a good guest. Um, yeah, a good guest for it. I think we should have Will back on the show. Will, and Will, Will would be fun. Yeah, we should have him for uh, Watchmen. Fuck it, let's do a combo episode. We'll do we'll do Watchmen in June. All right, gentlemen, thank you for listening. For now, if you want to follow us on Twitter, it is Twitter. It is at Warp Celluloid. If you want. Want to follow us on Letterboxd? Just search our names, Jack Rourke and Chandler Williams, respectively. So sorry for taking things out. Again, a lot of shit happened. Look, when things happen. Yeah, no, it's it's okay. Something I've seen recently, which I haven't watched many films outside of stuff I have to watch for class now, but I uh, rewatched Fight Club and showed it to my roommates, and um, it was awesome. Oh, no. I hope that went over better than some of the other. I hope that went over better than some of the other stuff we had to watch around them. It took them. It took them. Uh, it took them by, by surprise. They thought it was going to be about fighting, which is a common misconception. But uh, one that, of them said that lot. they. One of the, one of them said that they need to watch like seven Disney movies to counteract to what they just the saw. Taste out. I mean, you know what? Yeah. I don't blame them. I, yeah. Good God, I need a palate cleanser after watching that, and I'm using dark, fucked up shit. Yeah. But yeah, check us out on Letterbox. Uh, we appreciate you for listening. Anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. Take care. Stay grooving. Stay off drugs. Or stay on drugs. Mm. <laughs> we have George drug use. Stay George off the drug. bad drugs. Stay off, yeah, don't do, don't like shoot up black tar. Or substance <laughs> Substance D. Anyway, take care, everyone. Peace. <laughs>